Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Exodus, the second book in the Bible, begins with God's people in a pitiful condition, enslaved by the evil Pharaoh and daily being killed under the tyranny of his heavy hand. Exodus is the story of how God released his people from this bondage, and it has a glorious conclusion. The worldly people today are in a condition much like the children of Israel in Exodus. The parallels are striking in this graphic Old Testament book of pictures. And joining us again today is Francis Ball. Francis, we're really happy that you could be with us for this second program as we're getting into the book of Exodus. I'm so happy to be included in this beginning of this wonderful book, and I really look forward to its unfolding. I do remember back to the uh, years uh, in the late 1970s and 80s as he was giving these messages. It is really something, isn't it, this life study? Very interesting and very practical. When we come to this book, Francis, we often refer to it as a picture book. What do we mean when we say that Exodus is a book of pictures? Well, certainly Exodus is a book of stories to most people. But when we see what is here and what is in the New Testament— you can realize that the New Testament says things in a way that may not be so clear, but Exodus gives us a picture of those same things in a very marvelous, picturesque, almost televised way. So as we get into this book, we see all the experiences of the Christian life can be unfolded. For example, uh, redemption is a glorious fact, but how the Lord redeems us uh, is not as clear, for example, in Genesis as it is in Exodus. In Genesis, you have a lot of general things concerning uh, the spiritual life. But in Exodus, you're brought into a real experiential picture of what it is to be redeemed and what it is to go on with the Lord. And you have so many pictures here that are very significant. For example, Even the Passover lamb is a picture of our redemption and of how we enjoy this lamb as our food supply to take us out of Egypt. This will all be unfolded as we get into this marvelous book. And so many pictures are like this all the way to the end of the book. These kinds of broadcasts where the pictures are not only presented but then described where we get the caption to go with the picture are going to be invaluable. I think many of our listeners who have never really come into a deep appreciation of Exodus are really in for a delight as we go day by day, week by week through this incredible book. I believe so. Well, let's get to it. Let's join Witness Lee with our first portion today. At the end of Genesis, after 50 chapters, what transpired? Just read last verse. What was there? Death, Kevin, and Egypt. 
We all know in typology, Egypt signifies the world, the fallen, satanic world. So at the end of Genesis, three things are there. Death, cavern, and the world. A dead person put in a coven and left in Egypt. This was the ending of Genesis. Living the people chosen by God in a dead situation. Now, the second book continues to tell us what they were doing there. Well, you may ask me, as they died already and put in the coven and left in Egypt, what could they do? Well, they were living in death and they were acting in the coven and they were working in Egypt. If you go to Ephesians and read chapter 2 there, you could see all the people were dead, yet they still walk. Have you noticed in Ephesians 2, on the one hand, it tells us that the people are dead there. Yet, on the other hand, they are still walking. Walking in death. And the Bible also tells us these kind of dead people, they do have their dead works. They are dead, yet they still act. They still have some kind of activities, works. Chapter 1 of the second book, Exodus, just gives us a very, what, accurate record of what the people in dead were doing there. They were under a kind of slavery. And they were also under a kind of killing, under a kind of uh, deadening. All the people in the world are dead. Yet, still, day by day, they are under a kind of deadening. The whole situation on today's earth is just of these two aspects, slavery and killing. Something all the time enslaves people. And at the same time, something always kills people, deadens people. Firstly, the world today enslaves people. And finally, it just deadens people. There's more and more enslavery. There's more and more deadening, slaughter. You can read these two words, slavery and slaughter, on the top of chapter 1. When the children, people of God, were fallen into a dead situation, they were there enslaved, and they were there deaded. Let all of us check with our past. Before we came to Christ, before we got saved, what was there in your whole life? You have to admit, what was there? Slavery. You were there all the time being enslaved. Even as Christians, we were still there under a kind of what? Enslavery and under a kind of deadening. 
we have to admit, sometimes the unslavery still comes. And the deadening still exercises its power over us. We have to be on the alert, otherwise, uh -huh, slavery comes again. And the deadening is working here again. These two things, slavery and the deadening, I like to impress you with these two things. Francis, this is quite a beginning to such a wonderful book in the Bible. Here, after Genesis, God's people are fully in slavery and living in death, a very dark situation, really. Uh, it sounds a lot like us before we came to the Lord Jesus and were saved. But what about after being saved, Francis? Is it still possible for God's people to be enslaved in Egypt? I think if we see the picture that's been brought out to us about Egypt, we have to admit that we're not fully delivered from the world in our life and in our practices uh, simply by being delivered uh, in our initial experience of Christ from the sinful world and sinful life we were in and from the rebellious life that we were in. These are all depicted in uh, Genesis. For example, you have uh, the story of coming out of Babel. Babel is a picture of rebellion and then also being delivered from Sodom. Sodom in the Bible is a picture of sinfulness. We got delivered from that by being saved initially by coming to the Lord. As far as the guilt is concerned, we were delivered. But that doesn't deliver us fully out of another enslavement. And this enslavement is depicted here as Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the world. And it really ensnares even God's people. And in this case, we have to realize the children of Israel were already God's elect people, but they got into this situation after being in Canaan. Then they were brought out of that through the need for their livelihood. They were brought into Egypt. And so Egypt is a picture of the world, and we certainly can be enslaved by it and can be brought into a dead situation where we're being killed all the time. Many, many Christians don't realize that the world has killed them and is daily killing them from their spiritual life because they're so much occupied with the things that the world has to supply, which includes even the necessities of our life. The world even enslaves us by making the necessities more important to us than our relationship with God. So we get ensnared by Pharaoh. Our Pharaoh today may be our job. It may be our entertainment, all the things that amuse us. This could be a Pharaoh that's enslaving us and keeping us from any living, up-to-date enjoyment of Christ in our daily life. Or it could be our mortgage payment or the car in our driveway, couldn't it? Those are probably more realistic. Francis, I couldn't help but uh, think as you were speaking we're talking about the parallels between both unsaved worldly people to the story in Exodus and also God's people. Of course, all of the redeemed have experienced the slaying of the lamb and the blood over the doorpost. The death angel has certainly passed over. But there was another step for the children of Israel. They needed to get out, not just experience the passing over of the death angel, right? That's right. That is uh, the real meaning of leaving Egypt is to have the way to get out 
to get the value of the blood applied, that was in Egypt. Even to eat the lamb, which is a type of Christ as our food for our daily strength, and supplied these Israelites with the strength to get out of Egypt. But if they hadn't have left, they would still have existed in Egypt and not enjoyed the deliverance from that enslavery. Well, Francis, this matter of the slavery of God's people, I think is going to be even more pronounced as we get farther along. In this coming section, we need to see a couple verses from chapter 1. This is verses 11 through 14. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. Let's rejoin Witness Lee, Francis. Now we go on to see the enslavery by Pharaoh. Pharaoh typifies the ruler of the world. That is Satan. This chapter says he uh, dealt with the children of Israel wisely. Today the world people, they don't realize how wise Satan is. Satan today deals with the world people wisely. Of course, not in a passive sense, but widely in a very negative sense, to usurp you, to occupy you, to enslave you. This is the purpose of Satan's wise dealing. Then, burdening the children of Israel with rigor. Rigor means what? To give you new choice, to give you new rest, to give you new liberty, to give you no freedom, no chance. At any rate, anyhow, regardless, you have to do it. Even you would die, you cannot die. You have to do it. And this means with rigor. Look at today's world. Regardless what are you doing, in hospital, in the school, in offices, rigorous labor. To build two treasure cities for Pharaoh. These two cities, by that time, were just for their pride. For a show, the whole world today is still doing the same thing. Francis, I think that the spiritual parallel or condition of what this picture conveys is harsh and painful for a lot of genuine Christians today. All of us, I think, have labored under the ruling of Pharaoh. Today's Pharaoh is very wise in an evil way to usurp God's people, isn't he? Very much so. We may not think of Pharaoh, who represents Satan, of being that wise, but certainly when we read this account, we see the wisdom that he exercised was evil, was to do away with the Israelites' increasing population. And he was uh, set on uh, keeping them under a slavery, so he increased their slavery to such an extent that he wouldn't provide them with the things they needed to get the job done that he had ordered them to do. And that job was to build, as you mentioned, two treasure cities. Actually, when I first got into this uh, chapter years ago, I realized that these 
children of Israel were enslaved by building a place in Egypt. So people are enslaved by trying to develop for themselves a place in Egypt, a better living, another car, a higher paying job, more entertainments, more vacation, more benefits. All of these things enslave people to keep them under the wise hand of today's Pharaoh, who is Satan himself embodied in the world. So we really need a deliverance from the world in a very real and definite sense, which I think will be brought out more and more to us as we go through the book of Exodus. You know, as you mentioned, we hate to use a word like wisdom to ascribe to Satan, but we have to admit he really knows what to bring our way to entice us, doesn't he? He certainly does. He has a lot of tricks up his sleeve, ready to ensnare us. But God has provided an escape, a way out. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for our final portion today. Now, Pharaoh was not only enslaving the children of Israel, he was also killing. He uh, killed all the males and he kept all the females alive. According to the Bible, the male's life is for God's purpose. And also according to the Bible, especially with the fallen people, the female's life is for man's pleasure. Pharaoh was Satan there. He was Satan. What he did was exactly Satan does. Satan today is deadening. Is deadening the life. That is for God's purpose. And Satan also keeps the kind of life that is for man's pleasure alive. Look at today. Whatever is for God is being dead. And whatever is for man's pleasure is what? Is kept alive. Today with you, there are two kinds of lives. One is the male life for God's purpose. The other is the female life for man's pleasure. Many people today, even Christians, on the Lord's day, they don't like to come to the meeting. They go, what? Fishing. They go, what? Entertaining. And they go to many sports. They are Christians. And sometimes, Early in the morning, on the Lord's day, they are somewhat reminded that today is the Lord's day. And this is the day that the Lord's people have to come together to uh, worship the Lord, to listen to His word, and to serve Him, and to do something for the Lord. They are reminded. Yet, I tell you, they just slaughter that life. They slaughter that life. But they uh, keep what? They keep the life that is for man's pleasure. Alive. They are so alive in fishing, in entertainment, in sports, in all kinds of fleshly, worldly enjoyment. This kind of uh, doing is just as what Pharaoh did. Killed the males and kept the female alive. Pharaoh wanted to kill all the males 
and to keep alive all the females for his purpose. God used not the males, but the females to do something. Have you noticed? At the beginning of the Old Testament, Satan used a female to kill the male. And the very beginning of the New Testament, God also used a female, Virgin Mary, to bring in his salvation. In the principle, the midwives were the same as Virgin Mary. God used the Virgin Mary to bring in the salvation. Here, God also used the females, the midwives, to keep the life for God alive. When the females in a country would be used by Satan, I tell you, this country will be corrupt. When the females would be used by God, this country will be what? Rescued. The key is not with the male life, but with the female life. Now, hallelujah for the midwives. Amen. Hallelujah for the female lives. Amen. The female lives that turn the life to fulfill God's purpose. Brother Francis, we're introducing a point now in this portion that is going to take two or three messages, I think, before our listeners really get into the significance of what's being represented. In the Bible, God's people have both the male aspect and the female aspect. Both are ultimately necessary. We don't have a great deal of time now, but at least to give us some idea of what this typology is all about, this male life and female life. Uh, to me, Chris, this was a great light. I was in these messages when Brother Lee gave them, and I was astounded of how he could make uh, such a practical application and such an obvious indication of these two aspects of the human life. Of course, we know man was created for God's purpose. When God created man, that was the top of his creation, and he looked at man and he said, very good. Everything before that that he created, he said, good. But when he created man, he said, very good. But when he made a woman, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. In other words, he made a woman to satisfy the man's need and pleasure. So when... Uh, Brother Lee has brought out these two aspects of our life which are both necessary for us to exist. We have to have the life that is for God's purpose. That's the meaning of the male life. And a life that's for pleasure, that's the meaning of the female life. Now, I never saw this at all before. But in this kind of unfolding of these two aspects of life, it really shows you that Pharaoh was out to terminate the male life, the life that was for God's purpose, and to preserve the female life, the life that was for man's pleasure. But it's not something just we can lay off on our Pharaoh, on Satan, but we ourselves sometimes are killing the male life, the life that is for God's purpose. But he will go on to show us, I believe, that we have to get a real appreciation for the females in God's purpose and in God's plan. So I think we'll see more as we go on how wonderful these two lives typify the lives that we have for our existence. Not to pay all our attention to the things for our pleasure, 
but to pay attention to the life that is for God's purpose. Well, I think that we just are going to leave this today as a kind of introduction. This thought and this picture, this type in the Bible and particularly in this book of Exodus, a very major point in Witness Lee's development of this book. Stay with us for this. This is a key to seeing this book and a great deal is going to open up to you if you will just be patient and bear with us. Stay with us because this may be just a bare introduction to what is before us. But I believe you'll see something probably you never have seen before in your study of the Bible. Our time has expired. Francis, thanks for being with us today. Come back very soon. Thank you. I will. Today for Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.